We think that letting boys explore this quote unquote feminine energy and letting them step outside of that, of a box, then, I mean, the things that people think that that's child abuse, like we have an institutional uh, hold on, on masculinity and, and on being a man and a boy in our society. Hey there, I'm Katina, one of the co-founders of Daydreamers, and you're listening to the Unproductive Podcast, a weekly chat where we pick the brains of creatives, entrepreneurs, thinkers, and tinkerers, all of whom have approached life differently. Together, we're redefining how we spend our free time in a world that's hyper-focused on efficiency at the expense of, well, everything else. We'll dig into the habits, mindsets, and experiences of some of the most creative minds in our world today, so we can all spend a little less time scrolling and a little more time dreaming. Let's get started. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Unproductive Podcast. We're back for episode 11. Never thought we'd make it this far. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We hope you guys have been doing well. We've had some really exciting stuff happening at Daydreamers this past week. We launched our first beta product, um, the Leisurist Toolkit, earlier this week. And we've been so blown away by all of your feedback and excitement and just everything about it is more than we could have ever imagined so thank you so much for all of your support and we're we have a lot more tricks up our sleeves this is literally like just getting started so look out for more awesome stuff this summer and fall and yeah if you haven't already go check out the leisurist toolkit on our website there'll be more interactive sort of experiences coming Mm -hmm. out on the website over time we're super excited to kind of make this shift um, and bring creativity to you in every way possible. Yeah. And with that, we'll dive into today's creative episode. We'll be talking to Liz Plank. She's an award-winning journalist, author, and creative and host of Heart Homework, a podcast that offers emotional support for an increasingly chaotic news cycle. We've all been there. Yeah. We need this, <laughs> especially in the current climate. Mm-hmm. Um, And prior to launching her own production company, she was the executive producer of several critically acclaimed series at Vox Media. She produced and hosted 2016-ish, an award-winning series about the presidential election, and presented a TED Talks, How to Be a Man, a Woman's Guide, which inspired her first book, For the Love of Men, A New Vision for Mindful Masculinity. Um, Liz is amazing. First of all, this conversation was so much fun. Doopy and I were on the edge of our seats the entire time. And I think it's really cool because we talk about both Liz's experience in kind of shifting her own narrative um, and also how we can all take ownership over that, especially as it relates to gender. To me, one of the most interesting aspects of Liz's story is that she spent a large portion of her career working within institutions, which you'll hear in this conversation is something that Doopy and I thought or imagined creativity 
doesn't necessarily fit in there. But we hear from Liz the real story about how it was being within those big institutions and how it kind of forced her to be more vulnerable and find her own voice you know the part that truly made her unique Mm -hmm. and how she's used that voice that maybe didn't necessarily fit in to help us all shift the way that we view politics media gender and culture yeah i think liz has done a great job of you know coming from within these Mm -hmm. institutions to create change and if you haven't listened back to craig's podcast and he's done something similar as well and today we'll talk about with Liz, all about these societal and cultural rules around gender, and especially how it relates to creativity. This is Liz's area of expertise and what she wrote her last book about. We dive into her research on gender roles and how we can all begin to undo those layers in order to connect with our true creative impulses. Yeah, I don't know, Dupi, how you felt. I guess we'll talk about this at the end of the episode, but I thought it was really interesting from your perspective to hear about how um, maybe creativity was kind of squashed out of you as a young kid and now you're like the cooking extraordinaire in our family. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think the work she's doing around gender and how that impacts creativity is so relevant and I think what all the cultural norms that exist and the barriers she's trying to break through for men and women to create and a more all gender types. and all gender types for them to all feel themselves and feel accepted and continue to be their best selves is so important. And mm-hmm. we're seeing that, you know, sort play out in our world today across every industry and across what's going on in the new cycle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's super fun. And also, if you tune into the episode, you'll hear about Liz's favorite childhood character that she made up. So tag us on Instagram and tell us what your favorite childhood character is. And you'll hear mine as well. Doobie didn't have one, but (laughs) if you played make believe when you were a kid, you'll know what we're talking about. Yeah, I I was hitting the books hard. (laughs) Doobie was prepping for the spelling bee. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) okay anyway so getting back to yeah we'll dive into the podcast now of course this is just our quick little plug don't forget to rate and review the unproductive podcast in apple podcasts Podcasts. (laughs) this simply just helps more people find the podcast and in turn live a more creative and conscious life And before we dive in, we'll read one short little review. We love getting these and love sharing them with you all um, because it just kind of provides context as to what you all are feeling when you listen to that podcast. And the review comes from, my name is Tiffany. I'm glad you know your name. (laughs) First one, let's go. Excited for this podcast. Since when did productivity become an Olympic sport? So relatable. We need to get off the hamster wheel and live more creatively could not agree more yeah. with that well, let's, let's get started <laughs> okay well liz we are so grateful and excited to be chatting with you i know this conversation has been on the books for a little while but i feel like it's perfect timing as of right now um so everything works out um but we're really excited thank you for joining us today 
Thank you for having me. I think it was the universe, you yes. know, uh, exactly. delaying this conversation <laughs> until until this this moment. Um, totally, because it makes it that much more, I think, crucial and hopefully interesting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We couldn't we couldn't agree more. <laughs> <laughs> so something we love to do um, with our guests is bring them back to their childhood and get those memories and those creative sparks going. So we read a little about you and know that you grew up in Canada. So can you explain mm -hmm. to us what your childhood was like, what you imagined, what you would be when you became an adult or what you did in your free time? Yeah, that's a great question. That's my favorite. Um, mm. I think t talking about our childhoods is so such a fascinating way into into people totally. um, because I think as we were children is, is who we are as, as human beings mm -hmm. at our core. And often, right. you know, we sort of think about children as um, I don't, like well inferior, right? Mm -hmm. That we, we are like, well, you have so much to learn. And yeah. then, you know, you're, you're learning and, and one day you'll be an adult and you'll know all these things mm -hmm. and you'll be able to, I don't know, command uh, your power in society when actually I think we, we unlearn things mm -hmm. uh, as as adults and and we'd be far better off if we um reconnected with what we knew to be true as 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 children um so so yeah one thing that i uh i mean i was really the same like person <laughs> uh when That's i look great. at photos or, yeah it's pretty pretty much uh the same i, I was very yeah, creative and, mm -hmm. and, and original in the way that I dressed and in the way that, I, you know, mm -hmm. I loved colors and I loved um, expressing myself through, through my body and through, through my clothes. And mm -hmm. I, my, my absolute favorite game was uh, for me and my sister, we would steal my dad's um, very bulky camcorder. <laughs> and while he uh, and my mom, you know, were trying to figure out like the World Wide Web and like, I don't know, pay their, pay their taxes or yeah. they'd just be distracted with like trying to put food on our table. Yeah. We would take his camera and make up these really insane characters. And one of our, one of my favorite one of our most recurring characters was Madame Tigidou Saint-Amour, which is mm -hmm. a very, there's a lot of long names in Quebec because uh, it's a pretty feminist uh, culture where often children mm -hmm. have both their mother and their dad's name. Mm -hmm. um, wow. So, so she had a long name she, <laughs> and she was actually really feminist. Like her whole, it was kind of like a web series before web series and, yeah. and her whole goal in life every episode she had a new job uh, oh that she gosh. was very focused on and she was always very bad at that job <laughs> but she had a lot of grit and hunger to succeed and find what her career would be mm -hmm. uh, and she also there there's one episode that where she um, realizes she's being like sexually harassed by this well basically this photographer mm -hmm. tells her that she's going to be a fashion model because mm -hmm. that's one of the jobs she, she thinks is going to be the next big thing for her mm -hmm. yeah. and he only want to take he only wants to take photos of her butt oh and God. so she realized <laughs> that, that very early on because we thought butt, butts and farts were very funny <laughs> and so she basically rebels and leaves the job and wow. um you know so she was a pretty big feminist you know yeah. um and uh and so she she's yeah she didn't have kids she she was mm. single she was very like not she didn't really take care of her appearance she just looked very weird and strange but but I think that in a way yeah she 
it, in a weird way, I, again, I never would have imagined living in America. I yeah. never would have imagined being a writer, being a journalist, being on TV, mm-hmm. like all those things were so mm-hmm. out of, out of, I don't know. I grew up in, you know, in a humble home yeah. with humble parents and, and like a, you know, hum, I think humble goals of, of, yes, wanting to make the world a better place. And, mm-hmm. and I was very involved in, uh, with people with disabilities and, mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, at an activity center there and, and doing work with theater and people with disabilities and, and more, I was more on a social work kind of route, mm-hmm. but yeah, I ended up moving, moving to New York sort of, um, out of the blue and, um, and and so and and then ending up talking to you from Los Angeles right now, <laughs> which again, like Madame Tigidou Saint Amour would be very excited <laughs> about being in Hollywood, living in Hollywood. Totally, this is beyond her wildest dream. dream. So sometimes, yeah, when things happen that are pretty exciting, I'll send a photo in my my family group chat, and I'll be like, Madame Tigidou made it. Like, look <laughs> at her. That. You know, that's um, amazing. So yeah, that's a long winded answer, but. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's really important for all of us to really connect with with our authentic selves. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard. It's a really hard thing to do, especially in this world where mm-hmm. we don't just have a, a, an, a an, an aspiring self that we present to the world mm-hmm. in uh, our everyday lives. But we also have a digital version mm-hmm. on social media. And many of us uh, are spending more time on social media and more time mm-hmm. connecting on social media than we are in real life. And so it becomes very crowded in there of like, who am I? Totally. You know? And, and, and so I think going back to who we were before we were taught what was expected of us, mm. um, is, is really, I think a really useful exercise. Yeah. And, and often what we need as adults is what we needed as kids. Totally. Oh my gosh. We love that. I personally relate to that so much because I'm the oldest of four kids and I would like corral my siblings to make all these weird videos every Sunday. (laughs) And like I took it, did it after the Amanda show, but it was the Katina show. So I totally feel that. I've seen these. They're they're absolutely (laughs) great. That is so fun. I'm so happy you still have them. Yeah. I mean, but it's so interesting to think about in something as Dupi and I kind of were reflecting on our conversation and your path and journey. Um, Something that was really interesting to us was that you um, went to school for a really long time and kind of got so many deep degrees and kind of found solace inside of institutions. But I wonder, Mm -hmm. could you tell us a little bit more about that path? Because I think typically people assume that ones who take a creative path are ones that kind of buck the system in that way um so walk yeah. us through that mindset oh. a little bit <laughs> yeah that's a great question and I, I never really so you know I went, I went to McGill and I uh studied uh you know I got a women's studies uh and, and international development I, I was a double major mm-hmm. and at McGill I felt which is undergrad I felt very at place, you know, mm-hmm. or, or at home, mm-hmm. um, because, because I got involved in so many different clubs mm-hmm. and I was uh, d- doing synchronized swimming. I was, I basically cool. lived at school. Like yeah. I loved, I, I, I was living with my parents because I didn't, you know, I honestly couldn't afford, mm-hmm. um, to get my own apartment at the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. But I, I basically would go to school at 8am 
and I would come back at, I mean, honestly, sometimes midnight, 11, 10, like just, I'd spend my entire days there and I loved it so much. And I was involved, yeah, with so many, you know, feminist groups, Mm groups with men's, uh, you know, against uh, violence against women uh, groups, the the White Ribbon Club, which is uh, a great club that was started in Canada, but there's chapters all over the world. Mm -hmm. Um, I was I was involved in this group called Feel Good Day. That was just like the sole purpose of our club was to make people feel good. Like we just spent our our budget on pizza and like balloons. Like it was and we just did like love attacks on campus. Mm -hmm. So it's just like we we called them heart attacks, but it's like a heart attack. (laughs) Like I just a big boom of like love. And, um, but then I, I have to admit, you know, doing a master's, I think that's when you get, I think more heavily into that institutional Mm -hmm. framework and, Mm -hmm. and there's, I think less of you. Um, they, there, there's, yeah, there's, there's a certain kind of, kind of culture, right. Mm -hmm. And a certain kind of, a uh, box that you are expected to fit into and and I had a lot of that was a really hard year for me mm-hmm. you know I I did, I I did a master's at the London School of Economics um mm-hmm. and I struggled a lot mm-hmm. because I didn't feel like I fit in mm-hmm. and I was told I didn't fit in mm-hmm. <laughs> like explicitly. Um, <laughs> one of the ways that I, that I didn't fit in was in my, the way that I wrote. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, you know, became a writer mm-hmm. uh, as, as a starting point in my, in, uh, in my career as a journalist. Um, and, but I was told that I wasn't a good writer, mm-hmm. um, by my professors and, and not all of them, of course, I'm not, but, but mm-hmm. I was sort of consistently, um, explained that I needed to write in a more academic way. And mm-hmm. that some of you know my style of writing seemed to be too opinionated or to be, I, I mean, one male professor literally said, this isn't a romance novel, oh, <laughs> I'm like wow. a, an academic paper about like, behavioral economics like it was so such a strange even though liz has become an award-winning journalist a highly successful published author and a prize speaker known for her ability to make politics media and culture relatable this unique quality of hers wasn't always something she or others were proud of But Liz didn't let those perceptions of her work stop her. Here's Liz's advice about how to shift our perspective when we stick out and see it instead as our greatest creative gift. So I think that when we get that kind of feedback, right, when we're told Mm -hmm. um, you're doing something different and other people are doing this, there's something wrong with the way you, you can internalize that as like, there's something wrong with the way that I'm doing it. Or you can interpret it as there's something wrong with the way that we're all doing it or, or that other people are doing it. Totally. Or there's something wrong with the, with the way that we expect everyone to do it the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that's really hard to do when you feel alone. Mm-hmm. And I, I, for one often, you know, go to blaming myself or go to changing myself um, to fit other people's expectations. But but when I've not done that is when I have really been able to build a path for myself. And, and that's really how my, you know, I'm really happy I did a master's in 
I learned a lot and got so much out of that. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of interesting that it's all the stuff I did that wasn't my master's while I was doing my master's that, that actually led me to the career that I, that I, uh, I have right now, you know, I, I basically would spend my weekends writing, um, articles uh, about, and, and, you know, again, opinion pieces, basically, I didn't even know what an opinion piece was. Yeah. <laughs> I just wrote like mm -hmm. what felt right to me and, and using the knowledge that I had and, and what was so frustrating for me on on an institutional level too is that I was expected I, I was writing all these things mm -hmm. and no one was seeing you know we'd have these great conversations in a small class mm -hmm. with people who have a lot of privilege and and um, and honestly money mm -hmm. and 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 uh, the ability to understand and you know very high level topics and conversations but then I. I was, and then I'd leave the room and I'd be like, wait, why are we, for what? Yeah. Like, why mm -hmm. is this just intellectual masturbation? Like, yeah. we're so smart and like, bye. Right. Yeah. You know? So I didn't, I felt very frustrated by the fact that like, that just wasn't enough for me. And, mm -hmm. and so I felt very unfulfilled until I started, yeah, writing, using the things that I was learning and communicating it in a way that yeah okay one person could call it romance novels another person can call it accessible mm -hmm. right uh, mm -hmm. and and passionate and uh emotive mm -hmm. and you know I, I think that that was that I never tr in my writing tried to be anybody else totally. um and and that is it is the only really the only thing that that I mean, there are many things that contribute to, to my path, but mm -hmm. uh, and many things that I had nothing to do with. And a lot of them are privilege and luck and uh, things that are completely out of my control. But mm -hmm. but what is in your in your control is to just be fully who you are. Mm -hmm. And it very rarely backfires. Yeah. Um, in the long run, in the short run, it can feel like it's backfiring right. because the people that um you are looking up a lot of people won't like it mm -hmm. because they can't be themselves and so they don't want you to be yourself yeah. <laughs> that's not fair um totally. but i in the long run i don't know i haven't met a person i've never i've never met a person who's like and then i was fully myself and then everything went to shit you know <laughs> it just doesn't go that way yeah well i mean oh we couldn't resonate with that more and it's so interesting because Doobie and I literally have in our notes, we love how you make the seemingly boring, dry stuff really funny and interesting and accessible. Yeah. Um, so I think you're hitting on that so much. But the question that really brings up to us is how do you stay in touch with that voice and maybe even find that storytelling, true, authentic part of you when everything around you is telling you no? Do you have any advice on that? What's my advice? I, I mean, I, I have to admit that I, and I hope this is actually more helpful than me giving you all these tips, mm -hmm. is that like, it's really hard. Mm -hmm. And and I still struggle with it. And mm -hmm. I still um, internalize other people's opinions mm -hmm. and uh, about me and, and I, tend to forget that you know it's that saying of like other what uh, what other people think about you mm -hmm. is actually none of your business <laughs> <laughs> and and I find myself having to repeat that to myself mm -hmm. but but I think it's 
I think it's important not to, I, I don't, I, I think it's important to measure our ability, uh, our ability to do that as progress, not just as outcome. Mm-hmm. So every time that I do let something bother me or I let someone's opinion, uh, you know, some tweet or, or even, I mean, a person in my field being mm-hmm. like, you know, this is silly or I, I would be so embarrassed. I mean, I get this all the time of mm-hmm. like, why would you do this? Or like mm-hmm. just looking down on me or, or yeah, questioning my approach mm-hmm. and, in, you know, in respectful and non-respectful ways. Every time that I, that I let that, you know, the, the fact that that bothers me mm-hmm. is not a sign that I am not on the right path and that I am not in a place that of progress when it mm-hmm. comes to working on that issue. Mm-hmm. The fact that I'm noticing it is huge, yeah. right? When we notice that, that, oh, wow, I let this person's opinion about me dictate something mm-hmm. in, in my life. Wow, I, I let that happen. That's huge. Mm-hmm. The fact that you noticed it, um, I, I, I didn't used to notice it. I would just let it happen. Yeah. I would just let it change. And I would, uh, yeah, t- take, you know, this is a room, you know, not a romance novel. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have to be more academic. I have mm-hmm. to, I, I would change my writing. Mm-hmm. And I think that when we're able to have enough awareness of the ways that are, that our thoughts of just our thoughts period mm-hmm. right um is is really important and and not beating ourselves up for being human mm-hmm. <laughs> is also really important because i yeah i tend to do that too where i'm like i can't believe i did that again mm-hmm. i can't believe it. i'm so much smarter than that yeah. but but it's like oh but like look at what you did yeah. 5 years ago or a year ago you wouldn't even have realized that that's what was happening and now you're able to know that it happened and and in a one in a you know in five more years you'll be even more uh, advanced or, or or will have progressed on this that that it might not even bother you in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But I think we have to. It's like this immediacy uh, that we have in our society about you know uh, obviously everything. Mm-hmm. I want this now. I want this. I want this specific thing. I, it's mm-hmm. this self you know this sort of instant gratification. We kind of have instant gratification when it comes to our self to ourselves and our progress, totally. our, our our spiritual progress. Um, just because you yeah, heard an amazing speaker or you saw an amazing quote and you're like, oh my God, wow, this is so big. You're probably gonna have to read that quote, you know, 10 or 15 or 20 times or apply it to your life Mm -hmm. and then fail and then apply it again and then maybe fail and then apply it again Mm -hmm. to actually have that then encoded and change your behavior and and, and really be, I think they, in therapy, they call it like first course change and second mm-hmm. course change. Like there's just a mm-hmm. difference. There's a difference between knowing mm-hmm. and there's, and, and then being right. And, and, uh, and taking that change and applying it to your life. And that rewires your brain, totally. like, wow. but, but it takes time. And, and the fact that you haven't solved all your things, mm-hmm. be, you know, because you know that they're, that they're there, um, shouldn't be a reason to, to beat yourself up for it. Yeah. That brings up so much, um, so much joy for me, you know, hearing about your childhood and then 
uh, as a creative self and then going into the institutional sort of schooling system where you didn't let that inhibit you when many people do let those, you know, you should write mm-hmm. this way or do something this way, inhibit who they really are and mm-hmm. then work through that and then now come to, you know, being aware of this like consciousness and actually making those decisions yourself, you know, and being reflective about it. I think it shows so much growth and that's, you know, defending who you are as a person and letting that person shine through. So, which I think is a really difficult thing to do in our world. I mean, we just started something at Daydreamers called Create Not Curate, and I think it's exactly mm. what you're talking about because even going back to one of the things you mentioned earlier about how we have so many different versions of ourselves and we kind of beat ourselves up for so much of like when they don't align with what the world is telling us to do. Um, Mm -hmm. So I love this idea of just like in a super accessible way, starting by noticing what comes up when someone maybe doesn't agree with you. Yeah. And what's create, not a uh, curate. Yeah. Can you tell me more about yeah. it? it so so cool. we're just starting um, a campaign with our daydreamers community and anyone who, you know, re- it resonates with to create things for themselves and not for, you know, everyone yeah. on Instagram, as we've been seeing yeah. so many people yes, are like, I know, doing the best <laughs> banana breads or like becoming master <laughs> painters in a day. And I think a lot of times that takes away from what we really, you know, the purpose of kind of stepping into that authentic self. So yeah, yeah, it is so interesting what's happening in this quarantine. Mm-hmm. It's It's been such a, a, a heightening of everything, everything from our biggest social ills, you know, from racism to sexism to classism to to all of those isms and disability Mm -hmm. um, and ableism. But but then also how it also heightens all of our little Oh my God, it just it it, yeah, Mm -hmm. it just heightens all of our little hang ups Mm -hmm. and all of the ways that we were headed down a path that I think I, I don't know. I feel that in my personal life and I feel that on a collective level mm-hmm. of, of where we were headed. And it's almost like a, a big universal moment yeah. and si- yeah. signal to be like, stop. Yeah. Think, <laughs> like, I'm not saying don't go in that path, but let's pause and think about yes. where we're headed here. Are you sure you want to keep going? Like, it's almost like totally. that Netflix. Like, are you sure you, you are <laughs> yeah. still watching? watching. <laughs> it's been four hours and I'm yeah. worried about you. You know, like, and it's, we we are so mindless in that way where totally. where we just uh and yeah and it's it's so hard right now because yeah. it's it's forced all of us to just sit with it and mm-hmm. because everything else is gone yeah and, you know all of you know whether it anyway and, and it's all you know we're all living through it in a different way but there is this collective this collective pause button mm-hmm. that is the, just one of the most I think fascinating social experiments of our time, you know, you could just not recreate that on, on any, you can't, cause I love social experiments and I love experiment, you know, just research in general. And Mm -hmm. as a researcher, it's, it's so hard in the natural Mm -hmm. world to actually do something like that. Be like, everyone's going to stop working. Everyone's going to leave their house, right? (laughs) You just could not replicate that. Exactly. Speaking. So it's, it's, you know, to take that that as an opportunity to think about all of this, I think is really, yeah. I, I don't think we'll we'll have fully comprehended the 
I mean, hopefully we'll have, even after this is over, we can mm-hmm. keep thinking about it and yeah. reflecting on it. Yeah. Because I think it's so big. Yeah, I hope it will kind of be a launching point for so many movements of shifts yeah. and change societally as well. As a behavioral researcher by training, Liz is always looking for ways to challenge and shift our collective understanding of the world. After the break, we'll hear about exactly how she applied this mindset to one of the most complicated societal belief systems, gender. Hey, it's Doopy here. We have a really exciting announcement here at Daydreamers. Earlier this week, we launched our first beta product to bring creativity straight to your home. It's called a Leisurous Toolkit, and it's everything you need to get your creative juices flowing. It comes with over 10 different creative mediums and a 30-plus page digital guide packed full of resources, projects, and inspiration. We only have a limited amount of toolkits for this special launch, so make sure to grab yours now at daydreamerspace.com before they're gone. As always, the Unproductive Podcast is brought to you by Daydreamers. At Daydreamers, we know that creativity is in our human DNA, but we don't always access it. So we're making it easier for you to get in the flow and cool to have hobbies again. And we have more tricks up our sleeves, so look out for our latest announcements and continue showing us how you're redefining free time by tagging us on Instagram at Daydreamerspace. Let's get it! Before the break, we heard about how Liz navigated her creative career, and heck, even her childhood playing Madame S, I won't even try to pronounce that name, by flipping the narrative of what we're supposed to believe. Whether she was getting her master's at Oxford or committing to making feminism go viral in the early days of social media, Liz has always looked at the world differently. So when she set out to write her first book, it's no surprise that she continuously questioned her own beliefs, societal rules, and our entire concept of gender. Liz's first book, titled For the Love of Men, was published in fall 2019 and focused solely on understanding men's place in the world in the name of feminism. Let's hear how she approached it. The way that you were going down your path and kind of making feminism go viral and then took a pause and asked yourself, wait, is this the message that really is what I need to be sharing right now? Mm. So could you tell us a little bit about the process of how you kind of flipped your own vision and um, the book that you came out with just a couple of months ago? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, that's so interesting. You're putting it that way. I, I think it was a journey, a, a four year journey to, mm-hmm. to write my my first book, which is you know called For the Love of Men, A Vision for Mindful Masculinity. And it was not the book I started with. The book mm-hmm. proposal was very different mm-hmm. and had a very different tone and had a very different spirit. Mm-hmm. And I in that four year journey of, of, of writing, which was really hard again, mm-hmm. like not gonna, you know, uh, it, it was a, a real 
like a therapy process yes. for, for me of, of I had to confront every single thing mm-hmm. that I that I was running away from because totally. I was completely alone with it and um so I went to some dark places yeah. I also <laughs> grew a lot from that and and I grew a lot in terms of yeah confronting my own understanding and framing of 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 gender and mm-hmm. as as a huge you know concept that is that has basically been the the engine of my of my career and 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 I guess academic career and 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 you know uh, educational journey. Uh, you know, I've been studying gender now for yeah o- over a decade, mm-hmm. and I started talking to men about how they felt about uh, gender equality and about feminism, and mm-hmm. we were so used to having a conversation that invited them, but the only real way for them to (laughs) exist in that movement Mm -hmm. in a mainstream kind of way. Obviously there are so many people, I mean, bell hooks wrote a Mm -hmm. book about, you know, about masculinity, about the need for men to examine masculinity Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, 20 years ago. So Mm -hmm. I'm, I certainly did not reinvent anything or reinvent the wheel here, but but I think that in the mainstream kind of way, and even in, in again, my own education, mm-hmm. um, which was not a long time ago, I, I hardly heard anything about masculinity. Mm-hmm. And gender was presented as a prism, as a, as a synonym for women. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we very rarely uh, were interested or curious about the experience experience of men mm-hmm. and most importantly or when it when we were that was coming from the men's rights activists mm-hmm. and from the people who wanted to take away the uh the spotlight mm-hmm. and the attention and the resources away from women mm-hmm. but we never had a win-win a a i think mindful approach to how we are all connected Mm-hmm. And there is no lose and win. There's there it, it, it there is no gender war. It isn't men versus women. That that this same system that you know I've been studying for a really long time, and many people have been interested in uh, interested in dismantling for a very long time. That mm-hmm. so harms women. Um, also harms men. Mm-hmm. And also harms gender non-binary people it it harms everyone and i just thought what a waste and like what a waste Mm -hmm. that we never talk about that part and again if the goal is to create a movement that has the most amount of people um in it Mm -hmm. and where which i think should be the goal of any social justice movement it is to include as many people as you can where everyone is welcome because i that that to me is 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 just the better that's just the better way to do it mm-hmm. uh, and and not just i think on an ethical per, you know from an ethical perspective but also from a i think it just makes a better movement mm-hmm. um why were we hiding the benefits that men were getting from feminism mm-hmm. and gender equality work mm-hmm. why were we uh why were we only interested in um, in men joining this purely out of 
uh, complete uh, selfless reasons, mm. and then 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 sure come with as much selflessness as you you can come to support mm. ever, you know your sisters and 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 the, the the women in your life, but but also come in come in it so that you can be happier mm-hmm. and you can have a, a a better life and if you have a better life then other people around you will have a better life too that that men working on themselves and men having the tools to 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 be happier and to be healthier is the is in many respects the best way for them to help the women in their mm-hmm. lives mm-hmm. and and I had been you know, I like many women on the receiving end of so much, so much trauma and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and male trauma in, in, in my life. And for me, for me, it comes from generations mm-hmm. of, of that. And that is extremely, you know, that that is the, the core of my existence, because I, I grew up in in a in a in a world where from a very young age, I, I just was very aware of the worst things that mm-hmm. that men can do to the mm-hmm. women that they they purport to love and i just thought wow what if those men had had help mm-hmm. <laughs> what if those men had been able to deal with their pain mm-hmm. then maybe i wouldn't have I wouldn't have been the one to get burned. Right. Mm-hmm. And maybe if, again, it's the Richard Bohr thing of if you don't learn to transform your pain, you transmit your pain. Mm-hmm. And, and I just saw that so clearly when I, when I interviewed people of all genders, mm-hmm. um, that that was just, that just came, kept coming up. Totally. It, that it just was, it just felt like such a, such a, a lot, such a dearth of compassion and empathy. Mm. And, and that if we had, we were able to inject that in this movement, how much, how much better it it, it could be for, for everybody and for society and how much more enjoyable those conversations can be because, and, and that's been, you know, really the, the, the outcome I've seen out of this book, obviously a lot of people aren't happy. I wrote this book, mm-hmm. uh, men and women, but, and again, people of, of every gender, uh, you know, and they have a right to their, to their, all of their thoughts. But, mm-hmm. but I, overall, I've just been blown away by the beauty of the conversations that, that I've been able to have, but also witness mm-hmm. uh, through, through, through others that people have taken the book and, and made their own, uh, you know, book clubs, conversation starters, uh, and, and that it has helped them deepen their relationships mm. with, um, with, with each other. And that's just, uh, that's just, <laughs> you know, yes. that's, yes. that's great. Amazing. That's better than anything. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. I think a lot of the things you bring up is, are, you know, including everyone in the conversation. And prior to this, I feel like men maybe weren't part of the conversation as they could have been mm-hmm. in the full aspect of this movement. And, you know, something that we were really interested as, about is these gender norms and how they sort of impact the society, 
society and the the impact that that has on creativity even from when you're a child so when you Mm -hmm. were speaking about it earlier your character who I I can't say I can't speak that (laughs) yeah French at all so I won't even try but (laughs) you you know when you were explaining the character there was a certain you know aesthetic that you had created like she's alone and she doesn't care about her parents and those things I think Mm -hmm. fit sort of a bucket that someone who is a feminism would think so is there a point at you know when you're a child that there is like a difference between what guys like to do or boys like to do than girls like to do and how that really impacts their creativity going forward absolutely yeah oh sorry go ahead I was just going to add one more thing. Yeah. I think when your book came out, Jupy and I were so interested in it because in our own experience, as we started Daydreamers, even you know decades later than our childhood, we realized that the people who were drawn to it were women. And the only thing mm. that existed in the creative space were for women. Yeah. And as... Or, or a greater feminine energy. Yeah. Yes. And we well, wanted... there you go. Yes. That's it. It's, it's, it's so that. Mm-hmm. It's that you know feminine and masculine energy again whether you believe in the gender Mm -hmm. you know binary which which I don't and I Mm -hmm. you know start the book by saying by the way this is not in in nature and um in the animal kingdom there there is not just two there are not two 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 genders there's actually Mm -hmm. not even just two sexes Mm -hmm. but but in if you think about Chinese philosophy Chinese medicine uh, you know philosophy in general uh, from from all over the world very often there's this idea of the yin and the yang of the, yeah. the masculine and the feminine energy. And, but, but we have confused that mm. thinking that women have feminine energy and men mm. have feminine energy and, and that that's it. And I think that we have challenged mm-hmm. that perception for, for women in the last, I think few uh, decades, per- particularly, I think in the last 10 years in the United States, at least in a mainstream mm-hmm. kind of way, we have had a challenge to, well, women can work, mm-hmm. women can be badasses, women Definitely. can be engineers, women can be a boss, right? Yeah. This, you know, I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not bossy, I'm a boss, that yeah. we are allowed right. to exude masculine, quote unquote, you know, traditional masculine qualities that we usually tend to associate with, with masculinity. Mm-hmm. But that, that has been an incomplete gender evolution yeah. because we have not given that same luxury, mm-hmm. latitude, right. uh, and freedom to men to yes. also uh, exude and be curious about what feminine uh, characteristics, again, mm-hmm. in big quotation marks, mm-hmm. uh, whatever that means, mm-hmm. um, the, 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 those more feminine energy qualities um, men are not, that is just not acceptable. And that is from a very young age. I've not met a, met a single man that mm-hmm. I've spoken to. And I've now spoken to many um, mm-hmm. who at, at some point in, in their lives as children were not told that there was something that they were doing that boys don't do, right? Mm-hmm. Like boys don't cry is obviously the one that mm-hmm. we know uh, extremely well. But but that just comes through in so many different ways. and And it's so 
it's so when you start talking to boys about it, uh, men about it, it's just the things that they were told that they were not allowed to do are so ridiculous. Yeah. Um, it is everything from, yeah, you you can't cook. You can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I talk about in the book one of the most heartbreaking uh, pieces of data for me of like qualitative data, but, mm-hmm. but I, that I, so because I'm a, I love the internet as mm-hmm. a, as a tool to gather information and, and to get, mm-hmm. you, you know, a lot of, you know, you just, you just can get so many more, I think creative conversations started there is, is a mm-hmm. thread that I started where I asked men, what was a toy that you were told that you weren't allowed to yes. play with? Right. Yes. And that thread just broke my heart. It, mm-hmm. it was everything from easy bake ovens yes. to, uh, yeah, kitchen tools. One one man said he overheard his parents whispering in the kitchen mm-hmm. about the fact that he wanted, uh, you know, kitchen tools and what they mm-hmm. were going to do uh, <sighs> from, you know, yeah, puppies, like, a, yeah. you know, a toy puppy, like uh, stuffed animals, dolls, obviously. There's the there's a whole saga around American Girl making its first male doll mm-hmm. that that was the number one request from their clientele and that they after 20 you know i don't i can't remember the year his how long that company's been around but they finally went ahead with it and it got all this criticism and controversy um we think that letting boys explore this quote-unquote feminine energy and letting them step outside of that of a box right Mm -hmm. coming back to our original you know conversation around institutions like we have an institutional uh hold on on masculinity Mm -hmm. and and on being a man and a boy in our society here at daydreamers we're deeply interested and committed to shifting the narrative just like liz's around societal rules that hold us back instead of move us forward And this long-held belief system around what any human being is supposed to do based on their gender, whether that's dancing or singing or baking or creating content, is something that we actively want to shift. So let's hear from Liz about what the impact is around releasing gender roles in our modern world, especially when it comes to creativity and what we can all do to change this narrative. And we think that if we let them dip their toes into the sea of, right. of, of, you know, gender expression and, and freedom, then they will then, I mean, the things that people think that mm-hmm. that's child abuse, yeah. right? Letting, oh letting a boy mm-hmm. paint his toenails is child abuse. Just go on any Instagram post of any celebrity who, I mean, just recently, Justin Baldoni shared mm-hmm. a photo of, of, you know, his uh him and his uh son painted their toenails and Mm -hmm. just look at the comments you know uh it's just again a lot of people think it's great but a lot of people think it's bad and and there's just you know and i go through many examples in the book uh, about all of the ways that this shows up and and so it shows up in art it shows up in boys not being encouraged to after a certain after a certain age you know being discouraged from exploring certain forms of art um again cooking Mm -hmm. is a form of art my god um these are all, you know, obviously dance. There's this wonderful class I take, and if anyone's in New York, it's mm-hmm. called Body Art, and it's all—it's actually helped me 
it, it's a it's kind of like a yoga meets boot camp mm-hmm. meets but it's a it's a really ancient actual uh, form of of bodily expression that's rooted in Chinese medicine. And it's rooted in this idea of both feminine and masculine energies and bringing that through, through, through the breath and through movement. And my instructor, Ryan Beck told me the story of growing up and being told by his dad, um, his dad really wanted him to play baseball, Mm -hmm. which is not a unusual (laughs) story, uh, but replace baseball with, you know, something else, but, or any other sport. And so he just, kept trying, kept trying. And he just didn't like it. He just wasn't yeah. good. And then he got into, he became like a backup dancer for Beyonce, oh. this like amazing, incredible dancer. And now, you know, instructor that heals and helps so many people through, through his art. Yeah. And, um, he told me, he was like, I remember my dad would teach me how to play baseball. And, and right when you hit the bat, your body and your hips turn in a certain way, mm-hmm. move in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And, he was learning dance and and he was like why is the way that i move my hips in baseball acceptable Mm. but the way that i move my hips if i do dance not acceptable what's the difference why does one movement why is one movement acceptable and why is the other one something that i'm not that that i'm not allowed to do and i just Mm. think that really crystallizes it um, in, in, in such a deep way that, that, yeah, we assign meaning to these things. We assign meaning to cooking, to drawing, to dancing, to, mm-hmm. and, um, unfortunately it becomes, it, it becomes creativity blockers. Um, and, and for girls too, again, I mean, yeah. for a long time and it continues to be something that, you know, exploring science and exploring STEM, exploring, these again less feminine quote unquote mm-hmm. ways of expressing and creating um we have to let you know th- the goal as a society is for every person to fully be and explore who they are totally. and to be able totally. to offer that gift and those gifts to the world that's mm-hmm. how you end up with an amazing world mm-hmm. and i think so many people are uh, struggle and are unhappy and uh, because they don't know what their core gifts are and it's not because they don't have them they just haven't been able they they, you know they've been cut off in terms of Mm -hmm. connecting and aligning with those and I just get really sad when I when I think about all of those lost creative impulses Mm -hmm. and those creative paths that we have um interrupted or 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 cut short for so many people in, in society and but I don't think it's too late. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's, it's about, again, it comes back full circle to our, your first question, which is like, what did, what was my favorite thing mm-hmm. before I knew what my favorite thing was supposed right. to be mm-hmm. <laughs> and totally. reconnecting with that, I think is it's never too late. You're never yeah. too old. Uh, and, and just go out and, and do it and honor that child I- I- inside of you because that mm-hmm. child is there. Um, there's actually nothing that, that can, all you can do is, is suppress that and, mm-hmm. and suppress their voice, but they're actually always there and they're yes. still there. Oh my That's gosh. We so like much clap. to unpack we there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> That's like exactly our entire mission at right. Daydreamers oh, is it. really I to help people tap back into that inner child yeah. and also like not kind of bend the rules for good for yeah. whatever suits them so so how do you tell people to tap into their inner child how do you mm. how do people do that if you've never done it yeah well you don't know where to start 
we were actually going to ask you, You're what dead. would you say <laughs> your like top last tip? And I know we're kind of running on time. We have two rapid fire questions for you at the end. But what would you say is your like number one thing we could all do to kind of continue this personal and mm-hmm. social mission for all of us to shift yeah. the world for good? I would suggest, first of all, yeah, asking I, I think asking yourself that question and, and exploring, yeah, what, what, and without judgment, without, you know, without, without, um, you know, saying, well, that was stupid or that wasn't, I didn't spend that much time doing that, whatever it is. But what is the first thing that comes to mind when you think about mm-hmm. what was your favorite thing when you were little? Mm-hmm. I think that we, you know, that there's a gut feeling about what that is and, mm-hmm. and exploring that. Um, I also think that writing a letter to yourself, um, is, is a really good way to do it. And it's something actually I, I kind of started working on for myself. Um, Mm -hmm. and this is like maybe a little too deep and I, I, and I, maybe it will be hard to to explain Mm -hmm. because this actually just came to me through, through the, through, through that exercise, Mm. but the fears that we have are you usually the blockage to creativity is fear mm-hmm. and and fear generally is just oh you know if you think about any problem you have in your life mm-hmm. usually if you go to the root 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 it usually is fear that mm-hmm. you're you're coming from a place of fear rather than a place of 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 love mm-hmm. and um and it's pretty simple there's really just two things you know two there isn't a lot of different origins i i i think other mm-hmm. than than fear and love and so if you're if it's not coming from a place of love and if it doesn't feel good it's probably because it's coming from a place mm-hmm. of fear so i think examining your fears and and when was the first time that you remember feeling that fear mm-hmm. uh will usually go back to a moment in your childhood and something happened something you know mm-hmm. we all most of us <laughs> <laughs> even the ones who had great parents and had mm-hmm. great, very fortunate uh, upbringings, there, there were, you know, parents were busy. Parents mm-hmm. had their own stuff going on. Um, we all, you know, maybe you had a bad apple teacher or a teacher that had her own things or his own things, and and that you got a message at one point ingrained that mm-hmm. was that was um, that that made you uh, in sort of encode a fear-based mindset mm-hmm. about yourself or the world. And that in itself is huge. And 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 if you've never thought about it, it might mm-hmm. take you years, it might take you, you know, a lot of thinking, mm-hmm. a lot of writing, a lot of journaling. Mm-hmm. But but what came across for me, which I hope can help people, is that I had never thought about the purpose of that fear mm-hmm. in my life mm-hmm. and why you know, that pushing away fear and just being like, oh, that's dumb. Yeah. Like, why would I think that? Why would I do that? Mm-hmm. I-, I think that is uh, sort of the impulse to be like, well, that was my ego. That's not me. Totally. Sure. That's great. Being able to distance yourself from and, and being able to see that thought or see that fear and separate it from yourself, I think is really, really crucial. But beyond that, it was really meaningful for me to understand why that fear was there Mm -hmm. and why it felt like it needed to be there to protect me. Mm -hmm. And so that is a very, maybe vague 
maybe this feels super like psychedelic and weird no, and vague if, if it but but for me my fears around perfectionism my fears around um all kinds of stuff related to that uh, that wasn't just my ego being dumb Mm-hmm. That wasn't just my six or seven year old self processing some, you know, a difficult mm-hmm. experience in the wrong way. That was also me trying to make sure that I would be loved mm-hmm. and me trying to make sure that I would survive and me thinking that this is what I need to do to, yeah. to be loved and to survive and having to basically look at that belief and say, that's that's not true. Mm-hmm. And I don't need to keep having that fear or keep uh, engaging in that coping mechanism mm-hmm. um, or in that hurtful thing to myself or to others in order to be loved. I can mm-hmm. actually be the source of that. Mm-hmm. And that is already inside of me. I don't need to, to I don't need to earn it yeah. and I don't need to fight for it. And I don't need to wake up every day trying to figure out how to get it it's already inside of me mm. and and I think that that's the journey I'm on and um and 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 I think that if we can accompany each other through that journey you know whether it's your friends whether it's your partner whether it's your you know whoever it is or a people a, a podcast you're on mm-hmm. <laughs> like together <laughs> that we're doing right now I think that's so you know, creating a safe space for that. If you have one person you can do that with, you know, yeah. or two people you can do that with, that's just, you're the luckiest person in the world, you know, yeah. that, um, and, and if you can do that with yourself, I think it's, is also huge and, um, a really profound experience. Mm, that's so helpful. Doopy and I couldn't resonate with that more. We have been tapping into a lot of reflection exercises, especially during this quarantine. So I feel like as people listen to this, it will be such a helpful um, couple of exercises for them to do. And I know, so what we have two last questions for you that could be quick. Um, But this first one is super interesting to us. And I think comes to a lot of what we've been talking about throughout our conversation, which is undoing a lot of these layers of Mm -hmm. what we should be doing or should be feeling. Um, And we believe, Doopy and I, that our moments of brilliance and creativity come from these moments when we're most unproductive and those feelings come up Mm -hmm. and we actually confront them. So in Mm -hmm. our busy and always on culture, what are some of the things that you do in your free time to stay inspired and tap into that? Yeah, that's amazing. That's so correct. Um, giving ourselves the, 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 you know, planning time to be bored, I think mm-hmm. is almost something I want to take into my post quarantine life. Yes. Yes. And, uh, you know what I mean? Like scheduling totally. that in, right. That being as, as purposeful about the time that yeah. we are scheduling to be productive, mm-hmm. being as purposeful and deliberate about scheduling time to be non-productive I I think is really important and and yeah for me that is uh I'm yeah I have ADHD so and Mm -hmm. I'm I don't not I do really have that Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know as a turn of phrase yeah so for me moving my body is (laughs) is extremely important for for my relaxation and and to to sort of give my like when I'm when I'm exercising when and whatever that is, you know, it could just mm-hmm. be yoga, it could just be walking. Right now, it's like I'm going on walks. Yeah, um, that's super 
super good for me and and is a it's almost a time where yeah I can sort of let my my mind rest and get into my body and connect mm-hmm. to my body I think mm-hmm. is is really big and and that's a way for for people who are dealing with anxiety who and I so get it you know mm-hmm. every time I I sit down very rarely uh mm-hmm. when I sit down to meditate am I like I'm so yeah. I'm so ready to do this <laughs> I Totally. Uh, whatever's in my head right now, I'm ready for it. Like, it's like, I'm, I never want to do it. I'm always like, yeah. I'd rather be doing all these things and accomplishing all these other things that are on my to-do list. Cause, mm-hmm. but, but getting in your, in touch with your body and, and actually relaxing your body is a way to relax your mind. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, we often think about it as the reverse of like, I have to calm my mind and then my mm-hmm. body will relax. And it really usually it's the complete opposite (laughs) and if you can relax your body then you're relaxing your mind and then you're just uh, you know you're able to be in in such a a, a, again it's not even well I mean we say relaxing but it's actually returning your mind to its original its original self or or, you know uh, I don't know like program setting Mm -hmm. you know which is like Mm -hmm. not yeah I think 150 (laughs) thoughts a day you know exactly million thoughts a day you're hitting on so many of the values that we have at Daydreamers. Um, something you mentioned was, you know, actually scheduling time for yourself to be unproductive. And we're saying, you know, how we redefine our free time rather than focus on what we dub as low quality leisure. And then yeah. secondly, you were talking about, you know, it's the act of doing something. Creativity in clinical research has always shown that by you know painting or doing ceramics anything that repetition create puts you in the state of flow which tapers down your fight or flight symptom uh you know Mm -hmm. reaction Mm -hmm. so just doing that like the physical activity of doing it helps your mental being so i mean you know it sounds scripted but i think it's amazing (laughs) i couldn't have given you a better answer Liz. (laughs) oh great no that's why i'm telling you guys i i I read your i got your email and i was like these people are legit i was like these these are my people whatever they're doing there needs to be 10 million more people doing it and i'm you know i'm sure it's uh, it's been a struggle and it's Mm -hmm. hard to get people to do it and 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 value this kind of work and value this mindset and um yeah you're going against the grain but you are doing something so important and um yeah i i'm i'm really excited that they that you followed this path and aligned with it and are are doing it so thank you well thank you yeah okay so our last one second question what age were you most creative and playful and how could you channel that into your life right now (laughs) you have to make one of those videos now (laughs) yeah exactly whatever age that was you're right bring her back bring (laughs) Bring her back back. so yeah I I have to say that you know eight like eight years old felt like and it's funny because if you work in a camp which you Mm -hmm. know uh, as a as a counselor you sort of learn that the nine and 10 age group mm-hmm. for some reason is the hardest one mm-hmm. nine to 10. And, and the way that it was explained to me when I, I did, you know, CIT mm-hmm. training and I remember them saying nine and 10 year olds, they start knowing they, they, they start caring about what other people think. Mm-hmm. And totally. that's sort of the age where, yeah, you start understanding expectations. Mm-hmm. You start knowing what's cool 
mm-hmm. you know, and what's right. not cool. And, and you start shifting and, and molding into, unfortunately, uh, you know, a departure, I think, from, from a lot of your authentic mm-hmm. uh, expressions. And, and so, yeah, for me, it was like right before that. I, I felt like, yeah, in like the second grade or first yeah. grade. And I just was like, I just didn't give any like figs I just didn't (laughs) care and 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 how can I tap back into her Mm. I think is I mean I don't know I I I guess having conversations with her Mm. could be one way but but I also think honoring her in 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 what I do it is is extremely important and thinking yeah what I mean it's funny because I say Mm -hmm. I did a UCB comedy show uh, Mm -hmm. when my book came out and I actually had some footage of Madame Tiki in the in the show and in the show I say you know what would Madame Tiki do do like WW what yeah (laughs) WWMTFF or whatever uh, and that's basically what that's basically mm-hmm. what I'm gonna say. That it's yes. like, what would she do? <laughs> and if it aligns with what she would do, then it's good. If it yes. doesn't, then let's think about it <laughs> and uh, assess. Uh, I think that's yeah. Whatever character, whatever you know, represents that for you as yeah. a child. Um, yeah, what would they do? And then, and then ensuring that you're you know, uh, yeah, honoring or respecting and, and channeling, uh, them in, in everything that that you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that that's the perfect way to wrap up. I think (laughs) honoring (laughs) your childhood self coming back to, you know, where we started and, um, well, Liz, thank you so much for carving out time to speak with us today. And we hope that this quarantine journey for you continues to be as fruitful um and we hope to see you on the other side as well and thank you once again for your time me too i i can't wait i can't wait to yeah uh live in a world where you guys are uh yeah thriving and 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 create building out this vision and um yeah keep doing it too thank you you great question yeah well thank you and we'll definitely keep you updated hey everyone and welcome back thanks for tuning into our chat with liz plank what did you think davy yeah this conversation was so interesting and so insightful from both like a research perspective but also so amazing to hear Liz's like childhood perspective and adult you know in terms of how all of the things that she's focused on in her research has impacted her in her life yeah yeah I felt like this conversation was very Malcolm Gladwell um which was really cool so what was your favorite part oh there were so many I feel like I related to Liz so much but I think that just seeing her own evolution of kind of fitting in all of these rules i've also had a lot of experiences where my writing may not have like been so traditional Mm -hmm. um but i think that seeing how she was able to tap into that and actually channel it into her like greatest gift and really her 
career, right? Mm-hmm. She built it on this idea of being relatable and kind of taking politics down to an everyday human type of level. Um, so I think that was really cool to see that shift. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think oftentimes institutions and the society will tell us what we're doing to stick out mm-hmm. is actually our superpower. Yeah. They just want us to conform. And it was incredible to hear her experience of when she was writing papers and what mm-hmm. they were given context to, you know, find similar similarities to what Craig had when he yeah. wrote his paper um, as well. Yeah. And, you know, for me, one of my favorite parts was this expose almost and the research around gender norms and how they impact creativity. Mm -hmm. I know oftentimes when I talk to guys or other men, they don't feel like they can engage in creative behaviors or creative activities. And it's usually reserved for, you know, something I do with my significant other Mm. or something that is maybe... Or like mad mad men. Yeah, or or (laughs) it takes the extreme version of mad men, which is so like masculine. And if I'm going to do it, it needs to be in this way. And it's it's disheartening that, you know, there's these barriers that are created and these um, layers that folks need to go and undo in order to feel their most complete self. So I think it's really important for all of us to give space to every single person to allow to tap into this human behavior, mm-hmm. which is to create and to be creative. So um, it it really hit home on, on that for me. Yeah. I think that um, it's going to be something I hope, but I also imagine will be something that kind of just grows as a movement. So mm-hmm. it's cool to see how she kind of helps start that. And let us know at Daydreamers yeah. how you're finding some of these challenges and how you're looking to solve them in your day-to-day life as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, we're all ears. Cool. So next week we'll be chatting with Benjamin Witt. Ben is a creative entrepreneur and the founder of the brand Recess, which you might know their best-selling product. It's a CBD-infused sparkling water, but you might actually know their Instagram feed much better. Yeah, <laughs> um, It's won many awards, a Webby Award, um, and has a cult-like following. Um, But at the end of the day, Ben really started this company to help people feel more balanced, centered, and inspired so that they could be their best creative self. So we have a lot of overlap in our values and mission. And in this chat, we talked to Ben about his journey from being in the tech world to starting his own company and how he was able to can a feeling and really create this new modern brand that connects with people on this really deep level and i love their saying an antidote to the modern world Mm -hmm. yeah it's so cool you guys should definitely check them out if you don't know them already and until next time don't forget to rate and review us on apple Podcasts. this helps more people find the podcast and get inspired to live creative lives and we get cool interesting guests to share their stories with you all Keep creating and show us how you're being a leisurist by tagging us on Instagram at Daydreamer Space. Until next time.